Thank you for joining us today and a big thank you to our show sponsor, Amazing Jane Activewear, recommended as best leggings for running by Women's Fitness Magazine. Karen and I have been trialing their designs for a few months and we can happily recommend them. All designs are cut to skim, not cling, giving you confidence to look and feel great and focus on performance. So if you'd like to try Amazing Jane Activewear, please use our listeners special discount code RHH10 for 10% off all purchases at amazingjane.com. Amazing Jane ship around the world, so please check their website for details. If you've ever experienced a muscle cramp either during a training run, perhaps at the end of a race, or even when you get home, you'll know just how excruciating the pain can be. So today we're going to talk about the potential causes and symptoms of muscle cramps, and we're going to highlight some nutrition and lifestyle strategies which will help prevent or manage muscle cramps. Hello and welcome to She Runs, Eats, Performs, the podcast for female runners of all abilities. Please join Karen Campbell and Aileen Smith, nutritionists, friends and runners, who are here to help you translate sports nutritional science into easy to apply tips and plans, helping you enjoy peak running performance. And especially adding in the female factors every woman needs to know to be a healthy runner. The suggestions we make during this episode are for guidance and advice only, and are not a substitute for medical advice or treatment. If you have any concerns regarding your health, please contact your healthcare professional for advice as soon as possible. If you'd like help from Karen and Ailey to design a personalised sports nutrition plan for your running, please contact them at Runners Health Hub. Welcome everyone, I'm Aileen and I'm here with Karen once again and uh, as always we're going to share something personal with you about our nutritional running before we move on to discuss our topic today which is focusing on muscle cramps and that's something that many runners suffer from. So Karen I thought I'd stay on the theme of muscle cramps today and it is something that we we talked about in last week's episode and you mentioned that you sometimes do experience muscle cramps and as a treatment strategy you address your magnesium intake as well as doing stretching and, and massaging of the, the offending area. Um, so I, I just wondered, uh, following on from the magnesium intake, what, what do you do? Yes, well, I take the magnesium supplements. Um, I really like, I have to say, the Terra Nova products, and hopefully they might be products that we will be able to add to our new online shop sometime soon. But also still on the theme of magnesium, I like the Better You magnesium salts in the bath. And um, and they also do a great sports magnesium muscle spray. So I do find that I, I use these products when I I do suffer from the cramps and we you will find the link to the better you products in our new shop um, which is on our website at runnershealthhub.com so do go and um, have a look and then sort of thinking about my food, I I try and I increase my intake of, of leafy vegetables, generally within a smoothie, because I can eat more per serving that way. Um, you know, I can just pour it in and it all gets whizzed up. Uh, I do already eat lots of nuts and seeds. So 
that helps with my magnesium levels um, as well. And the other thing I do is um, that I ensure when I'm eating the magnesium um, foods that I have them at least two hours after I've had my coffee because um, coffee does inhibit magnesium absorption. I think that's something we've spoken about in the past, Daleen. So, um, so those are my magnesium strategies, and that really sort of helps support any muscle cramps that um, that I do experience. But Aileen, how about you? Have have you ever suffered muscle cramps either during exercise or outside of your exercise and and if so what what do you tend to do what's your treatment strategy yeah I mean fortunately I've not experienced it too often um I have experienced it there's been an odd occasion um at the end towards the end of a race where I've thought oh something's going to happen here and that's always quite alarming um and sometimes you know there might be cramps maybe in my toes or my calves at, at night time so if if I notice that um I'll you know maybe top up my supplements with magnesium um, especially in the summer months when the weather's warm and if I'm exercising a lot um that that's sort of a sign to me to um start taking some magnesium uh, usually in the evening I think like you my dietary magnesium is pretty good because all of the foods that are rich in magnesium are foods that I eat regularly mm-hmm. um, and I, I definitely um, advocate the uh, Better You magnesium oil uh, and I'll spray that on tired muscles. Um, and it just really, um, you, I find you can target, you know, where that you think the problem is. And uh, if I do that sort of regularly, that really helps prevent cramping and um, minimize the pain that's involved because it's not very pleasant. No, it's not. <laughs> Okay, so um, let's move on and introduce our subject for today, which, as we said, is all about muscle cramps. So there are are many different causes of muscle cramps, um, including some health conditions, um, you know, some quite serious conditions like end stage renal disease, diabetes, fibromyalgia and liver failure. But obviously today what we're going to be focusing on is um, something called exercise associated muscle cramps. so the definition of muscle cramps we're going to talk about and we're going to also discuss the potential causes and symptoms and then we'll move on to highlight some nutrition and lifestyle strategies which will help you prevent or manage muscle cramps and then finally we'll talk about how to put strategies into place so that you can minimize the risk of muscle cramps um, occurring during either your next training run or your race so um, so let's get started, Karen. And I wondered if you could begin by defining exercise associated muscle cramps. Yeah, absolutely, Aileen. So I was reading a, a paper recently on this exercise associated muscle cramps, which was led by um, a researcher called Kevin Miller. Now he defines uh, these this type of cramps as painful involuntary contractions of a skeletal muscle during or shortly after exercise. And he goes on to say that the cramps tend to occur in muscles that span multiple joints and are frequently used in exercise. So, for example, thinking here of the quadriceps, or we commonly call them our quads. Now, they're a group of four muscles that cover the front 
undersides of the thighs. I always think about these as one muscle, but there are actually a group of muscles. It's the same with hamstrings. You know, I always thought the hamstrings was one big muscle, but it's a series of muscles. And then the hamstrings, um, they are a group of, of three muscles and they're clearly at the back of the thigh. So, you know, muscle cramps are notoriously unpredictable and they can last for anything from a few seconds um, and or up to several minutes, which I have to say, you know, is a long time when you're in pain. And like you were saying, Aileen, they can be really painful. But I think what the good news is, is that they are temporary. So always bear that in mind if, you, if you're going through it. Whilst you're rolling around in agony. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, well, I've forgotten about the hamstrings because I sometimes do get sort of crampy feelings in my hamstrings. And often that's if I'm doing a Pilates session. Um, so, yeah, that's a, a reminder for that for me, too. So um, I think what I, I just wanted to add here is that it's really important not to confuse restless leg syndrome with muscle cramps because they're completely uh, separate conditions. Um, the key symptom is that restless leg syndrome isn't painful and there's no tightness in, in the muscle. Um, but moving back to this exercise associated muscle cramp, Karen, how prevalent is it in the world of sport and, and exercise? Well, according to um, Ron Mon, um, who and I think we've spoken about him in the past, he, he led a review paper on muscle cramps in 2019. And in that paper, um, he reported that these this type of muscle cramp affects um, 67% of triathletes during or after uh, training or racing, and between 18% to 70% of marathon runners or endurance cyclists. I think they, they kind of clump those two groups of athletes together so so quite varied um, percentages really and he also suggested that um, really few athletes escape this painful experience at some point during their sporting life so um, now clearly he's speaking about um, elite athletes um, but it can happen um, whether you're an amateur runner or, a, or an elite or professional runner um, and, 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 I, and I think it is something that is commonly experienced um, and it would be interesting to know actually how many listeners have experienced muscle cramps at some point. Yeah it definitely would be an interesting statistic to know how many of us sort of recreational runners experience muscle cramps and you know I, I guess the problem is is if it you know if it's a one-off it's not so much of a problem but if it's something that's occurring every time you go for a run it, it can be quite uh, quite difficult. Yeah, absolutely. And I couldn't find any clear data regarding sort of amateur recreational um, runners or, or people who do exercise. The, the only sort of information that I could find was from somebody's thesis. So they wrote this thesis um, in 2020 about exercise-associated muscle cramps, and they suggested that between 0.11 to 70 per thousand participants of endurance running races could experience the muscle cramps. Now, this um, 
the student um, suggested that this wide range, because that is a wide range, anything from 0.11 people to 70 per per thousand, it might be due to factors such as um, different running distances, different diagnostic criteria actually in the studies, but also different environmental conditions of of the races. So whether it was hot environment or or te- um, um, sort of moderate temperatures, and also whether the runners did actually present to the medical facilities with um, with the exercise associated muscle um, muscle cramps. So there are lots of different things that have to be taken into consideration here regarding that variation. Um, so yeah, yeah, that 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 really would would answer that sort of question, really, Aileen. Okay, so well, we don't have any major data, but I think if you know if it's something you're suffering from, you'll want to think about how to resolve it. So that's the main issue. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's let's move on now and consider the potential causes and risk factors for the development of this exercise associated muscle cramp. So I think most of us would say that we imagine it would be related to dehydration and an electrolyte imbalance. So that's why salty and magnesium rich foods are recommended during um, and post long runs or intense exercise sessions or on hot days. Um, Is that the principal cause, Karen, or or is there any others? Well, it's really interesting, Aileen, because, you know, it's certainly what I associate my muscle cramps with and what we've spoken about already. And what we talk about often, actually, is is about it being linked to um, electrolyte balance. However, the research isn't quite so conclusive on this as an actual cause. In fact, the true cause of muscle cramps is still not fully understood, which happens a lot in research, isn't it? They're always finding um, or, or, or looking at um, different scenarios and, and, and things become inconclusive. Um, but there are two principal theories um, about, about muscle cramps. Okay, so that sounds an interesting um, discussion point, Karen. So- <laughs> Let's talk about the two theories then. Yeah, so the first one is the dehydration and electrolyte theory. And it's certainly the oldest theory regarding muscle cramps. It it, um, goes back to really a large scale observational um, and prospective studies, a couple of studies carried out way back um, between, I think it was 1923 to 1936 on industrial workers, mainly steel and construction workers and miners. Now, clearly the work that was carried out by these men uh, was really physical and often in hot environments therefore their sweat rate would have been high so in the in these studies they were given either a saline drink or salt tablets which appeared to significantly reduce the incidence of um, muscle cramping that they were experiencing. And this is what led to the theory that it is the electrolyte balance that um, that is the key cause of muscle cramps. And these studies also observed that the cramping um, tended 
to occur towards the end of a working shift or in men who were less physically fit. So that really was kind of suggesting that as well as an electrolyte imbalance, that fatigue could also potentially be a contributing factor in the development of muscle cramps. So, so it dates way back to, to, to those times and, and um, industrial workers, Aileen. Wow, that's really interesting, isn't it? Mm-hmm. The research on those people way back then. Yeah. Um, so what you're really saying, Karen, is that one theory is the potential combination of the electrolyte imbalance plus fatigue that may cause muscle cramps. So what is the the second theory? Well, fast forward to to the 80s and 90s um, when there was an, there was accumulating evidence suggesting that sweat loss and electrolyte balance might not account for all incidences of the exercise associated muscle cramps. Now, it's not dismissing that theory, but it's saying it might not be the only cause of it. Now, a study um, by a researcher called uh, Schwellness and and his colleagues, now this was in 1997, was really the first to address the possibility that the muscle cramps might be caused by um, a neuromuscular dysfunction originating in the spinal cord and occurring due to muscle fatigue. Now, it appears that the muscle fatigue could trigger abnormal um, motor neuron control at the spinal level, causing that sustained muscle contraction. So, and that's what cramping is, is this sort of um, the, the, the muscle contracting and not being able to relax again. So, so that was the introduction of this other idea. But what what I would say here is that that doesn't really answer the question, why do some runners get exercise-associated muscle cramps and and not others, especially if fatigue is the trigger? Because really, at marathon distance and beyond, most runners are fatigued um, as they head towards the finish line. And um, and this is is the time that muscle cramps tend to to develop. So why do some people get them and why do some people not? So it's it's still inconclusive, feeling. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's really interesting. I mean, what what you might be going to tell us about this later on, Karen? I don't know, but what I was thinking there is it it might not just be the fatigue that you build up during uh, a training run or a race. It could be that you're going into that training run or race already with some mm-hmm. fatigue and it's the extra loading that can cause the problem that that's just yeah. me thinking I've got no, nothing to back that up of course yeah, uh, yeah. Just, it's a possible possibility well, it is because if it is being instigated by muscle fatigue and you're already going into the race with that muscle fatigue then yes that's a that's a risk factor in it in it occurring basically yeah potentially so from what you've been telling us Karen it may not be so much just about an either or theory so it might not just be electrolyte balance or central nervous system dysfunction but there could be different mechanisms triggered in different situations and in different individuals 
Yeah, exactly, Aileen. And, and and that appears really to be the thinking of some scientists at the moment. And it's certainly Ron Mon's approach. He he thinks that, you know, you can't dismiss either of the theories. It could be it could be one or the other, um, but will depend on the conditions and depend on the individual. So, so yeah. Yeah, I'm, well, another sort of joining the dots situation in my head at the moment, Karen, I'm just yeah. thinking that we've been talking a lot about the um, the importance of rest days and, and having light active recovery in between heavy endurance runs. So it, again, it's sort of like, using that as a tool to make sure that you're not um, overly tired, I think is might be might be helpful for some people. Absolutely. So that sleep, that rest and that recovery that we speak about is so important. Yeah. 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 Um, okay. So, so far we've determined two different potential causes, uh, but what about the risk factors surrounding this exercise associated muscle cramp, Cara? What, what are they? Yes, well, again, the research is is inconclusive in this. However, you know, there there have been studies completed and the the ones completed to date suggest that there are potentially quite a few um, um, risk factors or potential triggers. So if we were to think about the runner specifically, some potential risk factors include sort of that high intensity, long duration and hilly terrain running. And that's due to the potential for fatigue there. So if you're running in these types of conditions or or you know it's really long or it's really intense then you're at a, a, an increased risk of becoming fatigued so that could be an issue also um, a history of cramping so if you've had a history of cramping um for uh, link to exercise or maybe outside of exercise, then potentially that's going to be a risk factor for this energy associated um, muscle cramping as well. Also, um, premature muscle fatigue. Um, Now, this can occur in runners, again, with a history of cramping, therefore um, causing cramping earlier in, in an event. Or like you were saying, Aileen, if somebody's going into um, a, 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 a training run or an event and they're already fatigued, then that could potentially lead to this premature muscle muscle fatigue during the race. But also the race, being in a race or a competition itself could be a risk factor because we do tend to run at, at um, higher intensities, faster pace than we usually do in training. So that might be a risk factor. Age, um, older runners appear to be at an increased risk of this occurring and also a long history of running. It appears that more experienced runners are at an increased risk. Uh, I'm not sure why they're at an increased risk. Maybe again, going back to, to what you were saying, Aileen, it's this build-up of, of fatigue um, over time that then um, leads to uh, more experienced runners getting muscle cramps. Aileen, yeah. you- I was also, yeah, just before we go on, Karen, I was thinking, yeah. you know, the long history of running, the more experienced runners. Sometimes the more experienced we are, we don't you know, we don't pay attention to some things because we think we can get away with it. Yeah. So maybe those people just aren't hydrating effectively or looking after their electrolyte balance, uh, you know, because they're just so conditioned to be able to go out and do it. 
that maybe that's one of the reasons. Yeah, and also not taking the time to rest and recover. Yeah, fully either. I think um, experienced runners tend to, like you say, they'll just keep going mm. and, um, and think, well, I'm okay, so uh, I don't need the rest. And I know lots of runners who, when I'm working with them, I've got to really encourage them to have a rest day. Mm. Yeah. So I don't know if you've got anything else to add to to that list, Aileen, that's um, popping into your head regarding risk factors. Um, yeah, there's a few other risk factors that I've, I've read around. So um, having a higher BMA can be a risk factor. Also, um, not being regular with stretching habits. Mm. Um, so, you know, inevitably you're going to get tight muscles if you don't stretch. Perhaps there's a family history of muscle cramping. We've already mentioned the chronic um, illnesses, so the underlying uh, root causes might be things like diabetes, cardiovascular conditions, uh, gastrointestinal conditions, and then uh, conditions related to the kidney and bladder dysfunction. Uh, sometimes it can be medications, so diuretics uh, might be an issue. Um, and then, you know, things like having, you know, a history of injuries, running injuries, um, perhaps allergies and a high sweat rate would be another one. So there's there's lots of potential factors. And I think, you know, listing all these factors out here, you realise how it must be very difficult to um, study this as a topic when everybody's so different. Um So there's lots of potential factors that could contribute to the development of muscle cramps in a runner. Um, And Karen, you were saying that sometimes you experience toe cramping at times. What factors do you associate with with that? What with the list that we've just spoken about, Aileen? Look at a few, I think, of those factors. So first of all, my age. Um, Also the fact that I do the long distances and at times high intensity running as well. So that would be another risk factor for me. I also have a high sweat rate. It doesn't take much for me to start sweating. And also the irregular stretching habits. You know, this is a really big one for me. And I am trying to to make it more of a consistent habit. But I I have to say I do feel sometimes, especially the stretching before I, I run, I tend to get up and out. And just start running, and it's not until I'm into the run I think, oh gosh, Karen, you haven't you haven't stretched. So um, sometimes, so so I'm more likely to do it when I finish. But I have to do it outdoors because as soon as I step in the door, my head's in a different space, and then I forget to do it. So I try and and do it on the on the doorstep before I walk indoors. So so yeah, quite a few of the risk factors there I I could associate with. Great. Well, thanks for sharing that, Karen. And I wonder how many people listening can associate with these factors. And and if you are experiencing muscle cramps, um, let us know, you know, tell us what your experiences are. Mm. So, Karen, before we move on, um, you know, we always like to pick up on any female factors um, to consider. So are there any relating to uh, muscle cramps? Actually, Aileen, in the the different literature that I was speaking, there was very little information about the the differences in muscle cramping experiences between men and women. The only fact that I managed to pick up really was that 
men appear to be more prone to um to this exercise associated muscle cramping than than women and it didn't go into any more detail than that and um and and, and I'm not sure just thinking off the top of my head do men potentially sweat more than women and, and maybe that's um a, a potential factor maybe women are more open to rest and sleep and recovery men just keep going i don't know that's just a generalization and it's very much from the top of my head so i'm not sure of of the reasons why men would be more prone but that's certainly what what i i read in the literature yeah maybe women eat more vegetables than men yes <laughs> okay so so that's uh interesting to know um and we so far we've outlined the two principal theories about the development of exercise associated muscle cramps and we've also listed lots of possible risk factors but i think you know we've just got to remember that the true cause of this condition isn't fully understood in in science yet um although there's lots of you know information that we can take into into account um so let's move on now and discuss some potential nutritional and lifestyle strategies which will help support the condition and possibly prevent um, the muscle cramps from occurring um now thinking about nutrition first so this is quite an unusual thing that i'm going to share um, <laughs> So I was I had never really knew about this until we did a little bit of research, but it's suggested that pickle juice uh, might be helpful. And it's thought that this could be supportive due to its high salt and acetic acid content. So acetic acid is a byproduct of fermentation and it's what gives vinegar its sort of characteristic smell and odor. And um, the, the vinegar um contains about between four and six percent of acetic acid in water and as we know pickle foods foods that are preserved um, in a vinegar solution and it's thought that the pickle juice from this sort of solution um, has, has been found to reduce the muscle cramp duration by up to 37 percent, which is quite significant and you only need uh, a fairly small amount so that was a surprising uh, nutritional strategy I know, I know it was really surprising, but I think it's, it might be a, an approach that's worth trying actually, because it's very easy to, to get a hold of. Um, and, and, and also because as we know, vinegar, especially apple cider vinegar, is also supportive in, um, maintaining appropriate stomach acid. So it could actually be supportive for a runner's digestive system generally too. So as well as the, Supporting the muscle cramps might just support digestion. So definitely one worth trialing. Now, in one of the studies that, that I was just re reading, now they, they were consuming one milliliter per kilogram of body weight of pickle juice. So really relatively small amount, um, like you were saying, Aileen. And it was ingested within two seconds of the onset of the muscle cramping. So it really was sort of having it there and ready um, to take. Now, how does it work? Well, it, it's thought that the juice might trigger receptors in the mouth that help reduce the effects of um, the motor neuron reactions in the central nervous system, so in that spinal cord. So that second theory that we spoke about earlier. 
And so it's it's thought to reduce the firing rate of these neurons, therefore reducing the cramping. But I must just add here that, you know, this was a laboratory controlled study where cramping was electrically induced. It wasn't a field study where athletes were running or training. So I think that is worth bearing in mind. It was a controlled setting. Now, Mustard and other vinegar-based products, so for example, balsamic vinegar, red wine vinegar, cider vinegar, would also potentially be recommended because they too, because they're vinegar-based, they're going to contain the acetic acid. And also generally, most of them will contain some salt. So there are lots of different products that you could potentially try. It doesn't have to be the pickle juice, just needs to be uh, vinegar-based. Yeah, I'm just trying to imagine <laughs> you've got a cramp in the, in the night and you're racing down to the kitchen to slug yes. that pickle juice. It doesn't sound that practical, really. Um, but- <laughs> It doesn't, Aileen, and also um, regarding practicality, you, you know, having that juice with you on a long training run just isn't going to happen if it happens shortly after you've been you've been running then or or in a race then yes potentially you could have one in your in your bag for after a race you could have some in the cupboard for when you get home after a long run but but actually during um a run unless you've got you've got like your supporters and they've taken it with them um, and they're, they're strategically placed in a race, then it's just not going to happen. No, but maybe just having some pickled foods with your post-run meal might help. You know, Exactly, know. exactly. It's just knowing that that is a, a potential strategy and then thinking about how you can fit that into your lifestyle. Yeah. Uh, okay. So there's, there's been a few key spices um, that have also been researched for their effects on muscle cramping. So um, chili, wasabi, ginger and cinnamon have all been um, researched. And the most researched is um, capsicum, which is a, a substance found in chili peppers. And that appears to work in a similar way to vinegar in that it triggers receptors in the mouth. And these receptors are called transient receptor potential receptors, which in turn are thought to affect neural function, but only if potent enough. So again, in reality, most of us would be consuming chili in very small amounts. Mm. Um, but, you know, all of these sort of um, therapeutic foods can be helpful for lots of reasons. So, you know, it might be worth a go. Exactly. And and it's also about the accumulative consumption, isn't it? So of the, of the different foods that might help reduce the muscle cramps, it's not as though you're going to take on a, a large amount of, of of chili, but maybe if you're also having wasabi, ginger, cinnamon in different meals, different times during the day, then it's that accumulative effect that that might ha- that might help support um, or diminish the 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 chances of getting the the muscle cramps. Now, although the jury is still out regarding the influence of electrolytes on muscle cramping, I, I, I feel that it can't really be dismissed because there's lots of anecdotal evidence to suggest that consuming an electrolyte drink alongside carbohydrates as well could help um, diminish or even prevent 
muscle cramping. And like I said earlier, sort of addressing my magnesium intake certainly helps minimize um, my my cramping. So, you know, I think that must that we must still sort of consider that. And you know, electrolytes, as we know, are essential for muscle contraction and relaxation. And in last week's milestone episode on the Great North Run, we did mention the importance of magnesium and calcium in this process. And um, and so, so that like an imbalance of those might be the trigger for muscle cramping. But sodium and potassium are, are also important. And in fact, you know, the electrolyte theory suggests that low sodium, it could be the biggest driver of exercise associated muscle cramping. So um, and, and it does and the sodium does seem to relieve muscle cramping for many people. So I think really being mindful of these four key electrolyte nutrients would uh, need to be um, considered so not just one of them but just thinking about all of them especially if you're a sweaty runner um, and or the outside temperatures are warm stroke hot so just bearing in mind that you, you need to consider them mm. so, so thinking about electrolyte status there are some foods that would really help with that so um, if we started with potassium um, you know the green leafy vegetables contain potassium alongside avocado sweet potatoes tomatoes bananas and dried fruit so all easily accessible foods um, we've talked about magnesium so many times but again green leafy vegetables nuts and seeds legumes sea vegetables and dark chocolate all contain good levels of magnesium. And then um, thinking about calcium, um, you'll get that from cruciferous vegetables. Um, you'll also get it in small fish, so things like sardines and anchovies, because they're tiny little bones in the fish, contain calcium, uh, which is also in dairy, tofu, and walnuts. And then sodium, um, Healthy levels of sodium can be found in things like sea vegetables, olives, pickles, we've just talked about pickle juice, we just talked about, and also um, in some fish too. So, you know, it's quite easy to get these um, important mm. electrolytes in, into your diet. Absolutely. And also just as a reminder here, actually, if, if you did suspect that an electrolyte imbalance um, is the cause of your muscle cramping, try not to drink just clear water, because if, if you do that, you, you're going to dilute the electrolytes even further. So really important to because people, I think, they think they're, they're dehydrated or they think that they need more fluids. Therefore, yes, they probably do, but they want to be having fluids with the electrolytes in them, not just the clear flu fluids. So um, so thinking about adding an electrolyte supplement to that water and um, especially, again, when you're running in the heat, you're running long distances. Um, if you're a sweaty runner, then... then um, adding the electrolytes to your to your water now i mentioned earlier that consuming um sort of or having some carbohydrates alongside your electrolytes could be supportive in reducing muscle cramps now this is because by consuming some quick release carbs at the same time 
it's thought it will help replenish glycogen stores, therefore hopefully reduce or minimise the fatigue setting in. So as we said, it seems to be associated with fatigue as well. So if you have the carbohydrates, um, you're going to to sort of minimise that fatigue whilst also addressing the electrolyte balance. So really covering all potential causes of the muscle cramps in one serving. And quite often when you buy electrolyte products, they do come in an, uh, with um, some, some um, carbohydrates anyway. They're within an energy gel or an energy bar, you'll have the electrolytes. But if you use the more natural electrolytes, and we uh, um, always promote the elite ones, which is just the electrolyte drops, then having a spoonful of honey or a banana or something alongside that will be supportive. Mm. Good. So um, let's just move on and think about um, what we could do um, to you know, with a few lifestyle approaches to dealing with muscle cramps, because we, we've sort of covered how to how to prevent and minimise um, the exercise associated muscle cramps. Um, so now let's think about some lifestyle things. So one of the things that um, people often uh, mention is using quinine, uh, because that's something that's been used to relieve muscle cramps. And many listeners will have heard about quinine. So what can you tell us about that, Karen? Yes, you're right, Eileen. It is something that um, has been used has been used to relieve cramping in the past. But I have to say, it's not recommended by us, and indeed, it's not recommended really by any sports health professionals. And that's really because of its severe side effects. And in fact, in in anything that you look at, even NHS websites and things, they say not to use quinine. Um, for muscle cramps. Um, so I think most people will have heard of quinine as because it's an anti-malarial drug, but also because you can find it in, in tonic water and um, also in bitter lemon um, drinks as well. And it's what gives the tonic its bitter taste. So um, it is interesting that you know, they're saying not to to use it to re- to relieve cramping because it's got some severe side effects. But yet you can find it in some common common drinks. Now, the only brand that I could source that um, didn't can- can- contain quinine was one called Cushy Doos. <laughs> That's a Cushy Doos. It's a really Scottish word. I've no idea what it means, Aileen, but I know it's a really Scottish word. Now, this is a relatively new Scottish brand, um, and they um, they make their tonic water with Scottish water and botanicals, including Scottish heather and Scottish silver birch, so they don't add quinine at all. But it's the only product I could find as an alternative to tonic. Now, like I say, there are some... some um, key side effects of quinine um, and they include things like um, GI distress so gastrointestinal distress such as nausea, vomiting, diarrhea and also stomach pain can also lead to feelings of restlessness, difficulty with hearing and ringing in the ears. It's also known to to lead to blurred vision uh, and and a change in colour vision as well and 
confusion, nervousness, and um, low platelet count. So, you know, our, our, our platelets are, are required for blood clotting. Therefore, in some people, it could cause easy bruising, black stools, and also nose and gum bleeds. Now, clearly, these effects may occur if prescribed amounts of quinine was being consumed, really. So around 200 milligrams per day plus. But on saying that, we still wouldn't advocate um, sort of having quinine at all because of the side effects. So I would just sort of say, be mindful of your tonic water intake, how much tonic water you do have. And I would say, especially if you are a gin and tonic drinker, um, because you will be taking on quite quite a, a, an amount of, um, of quinine, because then there's there's um, about 83 milligrams of quinine found in a, a liter of tonic water, and with bitter lemon, uh, it's about 44 milligrams per liter. So, it's much below the 200 milligrams a day, which would be therapeutic levels, therefore leading to these side effects. But again, thinking about that accumulative effect. And and also just trying to manage any toxins going into the into the body. So, you know, is there another mixer that you could use instead? Maybe lemonade, something like that would be what I would suggest. Well, well, I'm a gin and tonic drinker, Karen, and I don't have like a whole litre with my gin. No. I might have, you know, a quarter of a litre. Um, you know, it's more like 200 millilitres. Um, yeah, but when you think when people, if people are gin and tonic drinkers and they're going out for an evening and they're having a few gin and tonics, so it's, it's still a substantial amount over a fairly short period of time. Yeah, well, it's worth bearing in mind. I'm not, yeah, exactly. I'm not exactly. quite ready to give a gin and tonic, but I, I, you know, I know where you're coming from, and it's important <laughs> to share the information. Anyway, while you've been chatting, Karen, I've been googling Cushy Do. Uh, <laughs> it's nice to know what it is, and the name Cushy Do, the company that um, inspired, you know, set up this uh, non-quinine tonic water. Um, the name was inspired, it says, by a gentle melodic call of the Scottish wood pigeon. And the drinks name took the dish decision to um, name the brand Cushy Doos in honour of the woodland birds that make for life when they find their perfect partner. Oh, oh, I like that story. Yeah, so yes. Cushy Do is probably a, a loved up dove. Yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> <Thank you. laughs> Plain English. Okay. So, um, yeah, let's let's uh, move on from the gin and tonic conversation, yes. um, and um, let's consider some other lifestyle factors that could help support or prevent the exercise-associated muscle cramps. So, um, one of the things that you can think about doing is if you do get a cramp whilst you're running is to actually stop running and pause your running um, and this is really the first and most simple and effective way of dealing with this um, muscle cramping that ha happens while you're exercising and that that's very helpful alongside doing some static stretching and it's not you know this is something that we've been talking about recently because we were talking about it in one of the Great North Run episodes Karen and mm -hmm. um, you know, it's not the, the thing that you normally want to do when you're in a race. You want to keep going. But, you know, the, the 
bit of research that we did was really suggesting if you stop for, you know, between 30 and 60 seconds, do some stretching, you'll probably recover quickly and you won't lose that much time out of your race. Um, yes. so that that was like the number one thing. Um, also, you know, when you get an opportunity, sit or um, lie down in a comfortable position until the pain or cramping has subsided. So, you know, that might be more likely if you if you're at home, you know, you finished a run and you, you've come home. Um, massaging the area will help really relieve the knot that can be felt. And I, I don't know whether you identify with that, Karen. Sometimes you have cramp, the cramp goes, and then you're just left with this terrible pain yes. in the muscle, which yeah. is really horrible. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where that um, muscle um, oil that we were talking about, the magnesium oil, can yeah. be really helpful because it's going to get targeted right to that knot that uh, we've just mentioned. And, you know, if you find that the cramping doesn't ease swiftly, that might be a sign that you need to consult with a professional physio or sports massage therapist uh, to give you some advice. Um, it's also thought that uh, cryotherapy or cold temperature therapy can help. So that could be as simple as applying a, an ice pack to the affected area, or you know, you might want to do an ice bath or something like that if you're really hardcore. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, you know, I've already mentioned the um, using the magnesium oil, but I think a nice sort of therapeutic approach would be to have a magnesium salt bath um you know just as part of your regular recovery because that's going to help um transdermally top up your magnesium levels and and sort of relax the muscles and if you if you don't like having a bath even having soaking your feet in some uh water with magnesium salts in that's another way it might not target the exact muscle but it's another way of taking in that magnesium so um there's some lifestyle factors to think about. Um, Karen, are there any preventative measures that you could uh, share with everyone? Yeah, some ideas to help prevent them happening in the first place, which is the ideal scenario, really, is is sort of regularly including strength training in your in your routine and within that using plyometrics. So plyometrics are also known as jump training. So this is training that includes quick, powerful and explosive movements. Now, just a, a, a a combination of those two types of trainings is thought to be um, helpful in preventing muscle cramps. And also thinking about training at intensities that are similar to race days. So we often train at a slower pace, slower intensity than we do on race day. So maybe bringing that in now and again on some of your training days so that you're, you're your body is used to the intensity before race day. Um, Also thinking, if you can, training um, in an environment similar to race day. So I'm thinking about the temperatures and also the the altitude. So if if you're able to go off and do endurance hills um, training, then that would be a good idea. Or if, if you know it's going to be hot, when you're um when you're in 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 the race then it might be that you need to go and train at a gym on a treadmill sometimes just so that you're you're feeling that that the the heat 
Um, also, like we've spoken about already, Aileen, just ensuring that you get suitable rest and recovery between training sessions so that it, um, you're minimizing that risk of muscle fatigue. And also assess your sweat rate to find out if you are a sweaty runner. And um, remembering to do the stretching before and after um, uh, your training. So doing the dynamic stretching before, so so stretching with movement in it because your muscles are still cold at that point. And then you can do static stretching after your runs. And like you were saying again, Aileen, having regular magnesium baths and um, using the spray could um, help prevent the muscle cramps happening um, in the beginning. So so really, yes, you can use these things um, as supportive measures when you've had them, had the cramps, but you can also use them as a preventative measure. So really, what I would say is that you know, all of these recommendations are just suggestions for you to try. Um, but but re- just as a reminder, really, that the, the current research suggests that no prevention strategy or treatment is consistently effective. But it is about trial and error and finding out what works um, for you and what could help reduce or limit or, like I say, ideally prevent the cramps for you. So, um, so hopefully that's given people some some ideas of what they could put in place now. So, Aileen, I think maybe it's time for a, a quick advert break. So, I'm going to hand back to you. Okay, thanks, Karen. Uh, so, this is the moment in the episode where we we take out a, a minute just to tell you uh, what we do outside of the, the podcast. Um, so today we've been talking about exercise associated muscle cramps and we've mentioned some products that might help ease or prevent muscle cramps occurring, um, particularly magnesium salts for the bath and magnesium sprays to mas- massage into affected uh, muscle areas. And we often mention our favorite brands and products in the podcast episodes as well as in our newsletter. Um, and on on other platforms like uh, Facebook, for instance. Um, And what we decided to do was gather together all our favourites into one place to make it easy for you to make an informed choice rather than trying to remember which episode did we talk about XYZ on. Um, So we find that there are so many different products available on the internet and in shops claiming to support health and well-being and running performance. It can make it a really difficult decision knowing which ones to choose, whether it's food or supplements or running gear or even nutrition for health screening tests. And that's another reason for us sharing our recommendations. So we have, we have great relationships with our suppliers and many have, have made special offers for you to try out some of their products and services. Now, for some of the recommendations that uh, that we list on our website or that we mention to you during the podcast, we may earn a small commission or be compensated in some way uh, by these um, suppliers. Um, but the, the, the small amount that we earn really helps us fund the podcast, and that, that's one of the reasons we do it. Um, however, all of our brands that we mention, uh, we use with our clients and we use ourselves because we feel that they're natural, uh, they've got good reputation, and they're also ethical brands. And that's why we're listing them for you, to help you make the best decision for yourself. Um, so all you need to do is visit our website, which is runnershealthhub.com. 
uh, look at the top menu bar, click on shop, and you can view some of the brands that we recommend. And um, we, we recommend that you visit the shop regularly because we're constantly updating and adding uh, new products and services to the list. So we really hope you like our choices and um, we certainly like them. And many of our clients have seen lots of benefits from using using them so that the topics that about today that we, we're focusing on or the projects we're focusing on today are in the better you range and you'll find them in the rest and recovery section of the shop page on the website um, so let us know if you try them and how you get on with them we'd love to hear from you great thanks very much Aileen so Okay, to date, we've given you lots of nutrition and lifestyle recommendations that might help reduce the severity of muscle cramps caused by your running or indeed might help prevent them occurring in the first place. So now what we're going to do is have a quick look at how to put this advice into action. So some practical suggestions to help you um, avoid them, ideally. So Really, the first thing you need to work out is what is causing your cramping. You know, is it dehydration? Is it an electrolyte imbalance or electrolyte deficiency, maybe? Or could it be muscle fatigue that is the cause for you? Now, potentially, it could be medications that you're taking. Now, if that is the case, then we would we would suggest that um, you have a conversation with your GP or another medical practitioner about that particular medication. But all of these are, are potential causes. And um, as we've already said, there is a lot of debate on what actually is the cause. Now, it would really depend on the situation and different things could potentially cause the condition for different people, like we said already. So, for instance, I'm thinking if you're a sweaty runner, um, so you have a, a high sweat rate, then it is quite possibly a sodium issue for you. So if you were to have an electrolyte based drink, the cramping you would find would probably diminish. But for somebody else... It might be that they are appropriately hydrated um, and and still cramping. So you would need to consider something else here. What could potentially be the cause for them? Maybe the muscles are fatigued and that's triggering a neuromuscular reaction that we spoke about. So it really is sort of thinking about um, what is going on for you, working this out for yourself. But um, but if, if you're finding that hard, then do get in touch with us and we can arrange a, a consultation um, to, to support you in sort of addressing potential triggers for your cramping and supporting you and relieving them and hopefully preventing them occurring in again in the future. Yeah, and I think once the potential cause has been determined, then it's about introducing some of the protocols we've managed, we've been mentioning today, and they will help diminish the symptoms. So thinking about introducing some of the nutrients in foods and fluids that we've mentioned, so um, the pickle juice, for instance, the electrolyte drinks, adding a quick-release carbohydrate snack, and aiming to do this at the, the same time as um, your post-run stretching will help maximize the chance of cramping you know diminishing very quickly um, having the, the carbohydrate and electrolyte beverage frequently even after the cramping is passed 
will help. Uh, but also remembering that stretching has more of an immediate effect. Um, it takes approximately 30 minutes for fluids to be absorbed into the bloodstream. So doing them together uh, would be, uh, and, and, you know, within a, a few minutes of each other would be really helpful. And um, always aim to be prepared. So I think particularly, you know, when you're doing heavy endurance runs or, you know, it's a hot day, make sure that you've got your carbohydrate electrolyte combined drink with you on your training run or take it to the start of the race um, and hopefully you won't need it but at least if if you do it's available to you um, we we have a, a recipe for an electrolyte drink which uh, we, we promote really it's homemade and um, it contains sodium potassium carbohydrate as well as um, giving you the digestive support and effects of the citrus juices that are in it so we we frequently are posting this in our Facebook group, Karen, and I'll share it with our mailing list. So if anybody um, wants it, uh, get in touch and we'll, we'll share it with you. Yeah, absolutely. And remember that if you're using the pickle juice, um, just having small amounts um, of this, uh, sort of look thinking about one milligram per kilogram of body weight, but no more than 100 mils is thought to be what's required. So you don't need to go over 100 mils. Um, but but potentially, so if you're about 60 kilograms um, in weight, then that would be 60 mils. So it is a relatively small amount of the pickle juice that um, that could be used. And it is thought to relieve the cramping fairly quickly. But what I would say is that if it doesn't ease the symptoms, um, say after about two minutes, then Another approach might be required as well. So uh, I would I would highly recommend that you practice with this protocol as well, because it is an acquired taste. It's a really unusual um, idea, but um, but but is thought to be really effective. So maybe practicing with it or you could maybe consider using diluted apple cider vinegar instead. And that is something that, um, that I use. I've used I use it more for digestive health, but I, I do use um, diluted apple cider vinegar. And, and it is an acquired taste, but the more you practice with it, the more used to it you become. So, again, you could do you could use the apple cider vinegar or you could use the pickle juice and just and just practice um also including some of the therapeutic spices so we spoke about the cinnamon the turmeric the ginger and just introducing those regularly in your diet as we said earlier might help prevent the cramping occurring um at all, either during or after your training. And, um, and I think this might be especially helpful if you, if you know that you are prone to cramping. So just using it prophylactically. And, um, and also just thinking about testing your magnesium levels. That might be, that might be helpful just to check to see if that is a contributing factor in you experiencing the muscle cramps, especially if you're experiencing muscular fatigue during training um, and or if you're finding that you're feeling tired, tired during training, but also tired generally. Um, 
So, and if you, you know, if you would like to do the testing, do get in touch with us because we can discuss it with you and can help you organize um, a, a magnesium test. Yeah, just a couple of other things to add as a reminder, Karen, it's it's really important to include appropriate rest and recovery from training, which also includes adequate sleep, especially if fatigue is thought to be the primary trigger of, of this exercise associated muscle cramps. And it just be realistic about your goals. You might need to reduce your training load for a period of time until the key triggers of, of cramping have been addressed. Um, but, you know, that will be worthwhile to get the, the best outcome. Um, so, uh, Karen, we've, we've talked a lot today on uh, all of these, um, you know, potential um, contributory factors to, to muscle cramps. But I think we might have to draw the episode to a close. Um, so just before we say goodbye, could I just ask you to... Uh, quickly outline the key takeaways from this episode yes absolutely and then i'll try and do it as swiftly as possible because we have spoken for a long time today so what i would say is just remember there are many different potential causes of muscle cramping including medical conditions and medications which would require consultation with a medical professional but exercise associated muscle cramping is thought to be a temporary but intense and painful condition that might last for seconds only, but up to several minutes. And uh, the onset generally occurs during or shortly after exercise. Now, to date, there are two potential causes of exercise-associated muscle cramps that have been extensively researched, and they're the electrolyte imbalance or electrolyte deficiency and the neuromuscular dysfunction. However, like we've said, the true cause still remains elusive. There are many potential risk factors for the development of these cramps. So it is recommended that you try to de determine yours and diminish them if they are within your control. And there are several nutritional approaches to support the muscle cramping, including electrolyte drinks, pickle juice and certain spices. Now, which approach to use will depend on the potential cause or triggers of your um, your muscle cramping. So it's going to be very individual, different for everybody. And remember, it isn't just about nutrition. There are lifestyle approaches that could help diminish or prevent the muscle crampings as well, including regular stretching, strength training, adequate rest and recovery, and the regular use of magnesium baths and magnesium sprays. And I think sort of consistency in these protocols is really important to try and minimise the impact or minimise them actually occurring. And that would be it, Aileen. Brilliant. Thank you very much, Karen. Always uh, we have interesting conversations here. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, remember, everybody, don't let nutrition be the limiting factor in your running performance. Well, this brings us to the end of another episode of She Runs, Eats, Performs, brought to you by Runners Health Hub, helping female runners to be fitter, faster and stronger. We really hope you've enjoyed listening and you'll join us again soon. In the meantime, we'd be so grateful if you check us out on iTunes and leave a review. And once again, thanks for listening and do let us know if there are any topics you'd like us to cover in future episodes. Bye for now.
We'd like to introduce you to our show sponsor, Amazing Jane Activewear for Women's Changing Bodies, recommended as best leggings for running by Women's Fitness Magazine. We think they have everything a female runner needs. First of all, they are high compression to support your legs and bum. They have a deep waistband so they stay up and they don't move about when you run. There's a handy left pocket for your phone and a zip pocket on the waistband, which is great for your cards or a key. They also have a hidden tracker pocket for storing a GPS tracking device, and this is a unique safety feature. All Amazing Jane designs, including tanks and tops, are cut to skim, not cling, giving you confidence to look and feel great and focus on performance. Karen and I have been trialing wearing their range for a few months, and we can happily recommend them. So if you'd like to try Amazing Jane Activewear, please use our listeners' special discount code RHH10 for 10% off all purchases at AmazingJane.com. Amazing Jane ship around the world, so please check their website for details. Thanks again to Amazing Jane Activewear for being our show sponsor and for sharing discount code RHH10 for 10% off all purchases.